All right, we are in John, and we are in John chapter, where are we here? Chapter 7, um, no, chapter 8, we're in John chapter 8. Um, picking up in, in John chapter 8, we introduced this just briefly, way back when, last year. Last year we introduced this, right? Um, and if you notice in, in your Bible, it might say something to the effect of, the earliest manuscripts do not include chapter 7, verse 53, through chapter 8, verse 11, right? You might have that in your Bible. Okay. Oh, that means we can't trust the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, first of all, this is just transparency, isn't it? This is not covering things up. This is, in fact, the opposite of that. This is saying, all right, we're just going to lay all the cards out on the table. This also doesn't mean that this event doesn't occur. It just means it wasn't recorded in the earliest manuscripts in the order in which we have it here. Um, it may be that it existed and got cut off from those in some way, shape, or form. It may be that it was in addition, in a different part of John's gospel and then it got moved here at some point. Uh, we don't really know exactly. Um, but here's the thing. If you take this out of the Bible... What do you lose? Nothing. There's no doctrine that changes. There's no teaching that we now have to do away with. Nothing hinges on this. Right? And yet, since it's in here, and as we read it, is it consistent with the rest of Scripture? Yeah. Does it contrast in any way, shape, or form with the rest of Scripture? No. So, (laughs) there's not a lot to be lost here, is there? There's not a lot of uh, of trouble on our part. We just say, okay, here's another um, account that we have. Maybe it wasn't in the original manuscripts, but man, it sure sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Um, So, we can probably take this as an authentic account. Uh, So, we'll look at that. Um, Chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Or really starting uh, chapter 7, verse 53, but it rolls into verse 1 here. Uh, they went each to his own house, then, but Jesus came to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in their midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, uh, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let us, uh, let him who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. 
And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Okay, so we did go over this last time. Um, but as we get to the uh, kind of the punch of this, we have Jesus um, saying, okay, if you're without sin, you can cast the first stone, right? And, of course, who's without sin? Nobody, except him. He could have thrown a rock at her. <laughs> but ultimately, what is being demonstrated here is who has the authority to condemn? God does, right? Now, this, got, this does sometimes get misused, and people exploit this to, to basically become antinomian. They will say, well, um, nobody can judge because nobody's without sin. Uh, well, that's not what this is really teaching us. What this is, is teaching us is of the mercy of God, the mercy of Jesus. Um, and so the mercy of God is, is great. It is vast. Um, but then also at the end of this, what does Jesus say? Go and what? Sin no more. He doesn't say, hey, I've, you're forgiven. Go do what you like. <laughs> That's what people like to hear it as. Um, there's no judgment. I can now go do, go do whatever I want. No, 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 no. By no means. That's right. <laughs> By no means. Romans chapter 6, right? Uh, that's, that's a good good reference there. I like that. A call back to early service. Good. <laughs> yeah, by no means, right? Um, we don't continue in sin that grace may abound, right? But we live in righteousness. So now we come and we confess our sins to Jesus on Sunday morning, and he forgives our sins, and we leave, and we go, hey, all right, I get to go back to my old life and do what I want to do, right? <laughs> no, we are forgiven and we go out and we say, okay, now I want to live for the Lord. I want to live in holiness. I want to do that which God would have me do. I want to go and sin no more. I want to go and do that which is good and right and holy. Okay, uh, so then pick it up here in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. <clears throat> you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, if I, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. <clears throat> In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. 
I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Okay, so what does Jesus say of himself here? I am the light of the world. This goes back to John chapter 1, doesn't it? The true light came into the world, right? And the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This also is a callback to Genesis chapter 1. You remember in Genesis that there's light before the sun? Where where is that light coming from? From God. Um, So, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of of life. Um, We get more on this in 1 John, don't we? If if you turn in your Bibles real quick to 1 John, um, we have... John, 1 John chapter 1. Okay. Uh, Starting there at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So that idea of light and darkness, right? What does darkness really represent? Sin, ignorance of God, right? Evil. What's the thing about if you come into the light? What happens? Yeah, exposure. Your sins are exposed, right? Is that comfortable? Mm Mm-mm. This is why people lurk in the shadows. People don't want to come out and openly confess their sins. Because if you you expose your sin in the light, others are aware of it. And we want people to think of us in good terms. Now, this is this this terrible self-talk that we have, isn't it? If people found out about the sin that I have, well, they would treat me different. They would think less of me. Oh, do, do you know that everybody that comes to church comes here for the same reason? <laughs> because we're all sinful. We all have sin that we need to confess. So, no, there's not going to be a think, thinking less of you. 
there's not going to be a diminishment of who you are, but rather now you have support. Now you have help. Now you have encouragement. Now you are able to bring that into the light and receive the forgiveness in the light. Uh, so God welcomes us into that light rather than saying, no, no, no keep that hidden. <laughs> Don't let anybody know about those things because that's pretty bad. Uh, no, he, he invites us to come into the light, doesn't he? All right, thoughts, questions, comments so far? Anything? Yep. Yeah, and it's and it's when I was in Southeast Missouri, we were surrounded by holiness churches, and <clears throat> what people would do is, on Sunday morning, they would come to church um, in those churches, and and they would pretend they had their lives together. They would pretend everything was good, that they didn't have any struggles. Because if you had struggles, if you had weakness, if you had sin in your life, it was an indication that you might not be right with the Lord. And so you couldn't expose that to anybody because then uh, they, might, they might think you're not even a Christian. And so people would put on this false front and they would pretend everything was okay. And inside they were getting eaten alive. Or if they really thought they were keeping the law really well, they would be completely arrogant about it. And that would cause them to treat others who were struggling um, with just harshness. Instead of walking alongside them, encouraging them, right? A, uh, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench. Uh, they would come along and be like, <laughs> ah, you're struggling. You, you are not a good Christian. You are not a strong Christian. And, and people, so, so people ended up either in this kind of cycle of arrogance and depression, or they just got burnt out with church, period. And they're like, no, I want nothing to do with this because it's, it's all phony. People pretend that they're not sinful. They pretend they've got everything together. And the reality is they're, they're messed up. I know these people that go to church. They're all messed up. And, and instead of saying, yeah, they are. And that's why they need to go and receive the grace of God. People are looking at church as, well, that's where you go if you're good. That's how you, where you go to become good, to learn how to become good by your own effort. And man, what a shame, Right? They're missing the whole gospel. Jesus doesn't say uh, that he came for the righteous. He says he came for the unrighteous. He doesn't say, I came for those who are well because they're worthy to follow me. He says, I came for the sick. So the church is it's where sinners gather. So if you have sin in your life, guess what? None of us are surprised. <laughs> And you might think, well, yeah, but the kind of sin that I have, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to be surprised. That, I got over that real quick. That, that just, that's not a thing. Uh, people always come in, if they, if they come in to confess, you know, have private confession and absolution, they'll, they'll think I'm just going to be shocked. I won't be. Okay. So Jesus is talking about witnesses, right? Who bears witness to Jesus? 
guess what? We have this in our gospel reading today. The baptism of our Lord. Who bears witness to Jesus? God the Father does. And the Holy Spirit does, descending on him in the form of a dove. So now you have not only one witness, you have two witnesses. Uh, and so that's not, even, <laughs> that's not even counting all of the witnesses of the prophets in the Old Testament. <laughs> um, but what do they say? Where is your father? And what do they mean? Joseph, right? You're born of Joseph. We know your father. You don't know my father. <laughs> That's what he says. If you knew, you don't know me, you don't know my father. Um, verse 20 then, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. That doesn't sound very nice. I thought Jesus was always nice all the time to everybody. <laughs> Telling people they're going to die in their sins doesn't sound very nice, does it? Is it true? That's what he's warning them of. He's not, he's not coddling them in their sin. The grace of God is abundant, right? But God is also just. And God does not coddle sin. He does not speak of it as unimportant. Uh, so, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? Where do they get that? <laughs> like, where I'm going, you can't come. Oh, is he going to kill himself? What? But I don't know. This is some kind of leap of logic they have. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless. So here's this, right? He speaks of we, we law and gospel here, don't we? He says he speaks of dying in sins. Um, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So it is a call to what? Repentance. And what is repentance? Turning from sin, trusting in Christ. So, uh, is this loving of Jesus? Yes, it is, because he's trying to bring them to repentance. He's trying to uh, call them to faith. It would be totally unloving of Jesus to just be like, no, you're good, and let them die in their sins, wouldn't it? Uh, that's a temptation for us as Christians today to be like, well, I don't want to make somebody mad or offend them, so I'll just not mention anything about their sin, right? We don't have to be a jerk about it, right? But we do need to speak openly and honestly about uh, what God calls sin, Verse 25, so they said to him, who are you? <laughs> That's kind of an important question, isn't it? And it's the question that John is answering for us in his gospel, isn't it? 
These, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So John wants us to consider that question, right? Who is Jesus? Who are you? And we learn the answer from his gospel. Uh, but, you know, they're asking, who are you? But they don't actually want to know. <laughs> this is more along the lines of, who do you think you are? <laughs> right? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he was, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Oh, well, you look at that. <laughs> uh, but that didn't sound very winsome, did it? He's telling people they're sinful and they're going to die in their sins and telling them they need to repent of that. And they did. <laughs> this is the way God works, isn't it? Law and gospel. When we're confronted with our sin, we recognize our sin. We either are going to repent of that or we're going to continue in that. And these people hear his message, their call, the call to repentance. They, they do repent. They trust in him. They believe him. They believe the word. And so, now they have salvation. They don't die in their sins. Um, now, notice here, um, when, what does Jesus reference as where he will be vindicated in you know, who he says he is? When I am lifted up. What does that mean? What's that? Yeah, the, cr- the cross. Right. Uh, the cross is where this vindication takes place. Um, and it's also where his glorification takes place. Uh, people tend to want to think of the glorification of Jesus only being in his resurrection, only being in like his transfiguration where you know, he manifests the glory of God. But ultimately, um, John's gospel tells us very clearly it's actually... His crucifixion, where he's glorified. Because that's where he accomplishes that which he came to do. Uh, which is why the crucifixion is at the heart of the Christian message, isn't it? And we preach Christ and him, what? Crucified. Okay. Um, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay. If you what? Abide. What does abide mean? Stay close. Stay close. Yeah, dwell in, live in, um, you know, remain in, um, you know, we have the wonderful hymn, Abide With Me, right? And what are we asking? 
stay with me, Lord. <laughs> All right? Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me, abide. We're asking God, stay with me, right? And now Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, how do we abide in Jesus? Okay, in the word, right? In the sacraments. Where is Jesus for you? In the word and the sacraments. You want to abide in Jesus? You want to remain connected to him? Well, he's told you. Here's, here, here's where he is for you. You got to be in the word. You got to be receiving God's sacraments for you because that's, that's Jesus connecting to you, coming to you, abiding with you. So if we want to abide in him, we got to be where he says he is for us. Okay, verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This is like the most tone deaf, stupid answer I've ever heard from anybody, I think. So we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. Don't you remember 400 years in Egypt? Like, no, your people were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. You, you do remember that, right? That's like the high point of the history of the Israelites is the Exodus, which follows slavery. Like, and even now, right? <laughs> They're saying, we're not slaves to anybody. Okay, I bet. But who's really in charge here? The Romans have the, the power, not you. <laughs> Uh, but even even if we take it in a spiritual sense, we've never been slaves to anybody. Oh, oh, haven't you? You've never been slaves to sin because the one who commits sin is a slave to sin. Yeah, we've all been slaves. We need to be set free because we're not free unless we are set free. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So there it is, right? We've never been slaves to anybody. Yeah, you have. <laughs> anybody who practices sin. What does he mean by practices sin, by the way? Yeah, so this is, this is an important thing to, to recognize because are we slaves to sin any longer? We're set free from it. But can we enslave ourselves back to it? By practicing sin. So practicing sin is not just the act of sinning, you know, because we fall into that sin. Practicing sin is where I willfully choose to live in sin, to act in sin, to do that which I know is wrong. And I continue in it. I perpetuate in that. I don't repent of that. I don't seek to... Um, to change that. Um, so, you know, practicing sin is when we know something is wrong and we don't want to change it. Now, what are we if we are practicing sin? We are slaves to sin. We're not free any longer. Now, can we be set free? Yeah. Jesus can set us free. But then if we enslave ourselves again by going back to that um, we're setting ourselves back into bondage okay um, 
Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. <laughs> so they say, we're, we're children of Abraham. We, we're not enslaved to anybody. And Jesus says, well, you're continuing in sin. You're slaves to sin. You aren't sons. You're slaves. But, verse 36, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And now we're getting contentious. <laughs> Jesus says, um, I'm giving you the message from my father, but you guys, you're doing what you heard from your father. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, we're going to find out in verse 39 here, uh, for, or, and following. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the work Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and, am, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? I tell, you, I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now Jesus really gets to the point, doesn't he? Um, they say, Abraham is our father. And then they say, God is our father. And Jesus says, actually, Satan is your father. <laughs> because you are walking in his ways. Um, now they, they make a claim about Jesus here, right? We were not born of sexual immorality. And what they're really saying is, but you were Jesus, right? Mary was, was pregnant before they were rightly married. Or maybe it's not even Joseph's baby, you know. Uh, they will not believe the virgin birth. They will not believe the Holy Spirit. Um, they choose to believe what is scandalous and tickles the ears. Um, what do we hear about Satan here? What are some of the things that John tells us, or Jesus tells us, really? A murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of lies. 
much of the, the thing about lies is that I don't want to say the, the best ones, but, you know, the ones that are going to be most deceptive, they always have an element of truth, don't they? It's like when you were in grade school and you had the true-false questions, and, you know, you would be reading it along, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's true, and so you mark true. Oh, I didn't read the whole thing because the second part of it was not true, right? Or it would say all or, or you know, some of, and then that's the key thing, right? So you get this just little bit of falsehood that's thrown in there. Uh, Satan does this all the time. Um, and he, he uses people preaching the God's word. He uses people teaching God's word, and they start with that which is true and twist it. Does Satan use the Bible? Yeah, he does. He did that when he was trying to tempt Jesus. He says, uh, it is written, right, that uh, he will not let you foot, tr- strike your foot against a stone. And he's trying to get and tempt Jesus to jump. Uh, so we have to be very, very careful in what we are hearing and testing that which we hear. Uh, because Satan is constantly at work. And he is a murderer, he is a liar, he is the father of lies, and he seeks to deceive. He's still working to do this, isn't he? He still wants to deceive. He still wants to take our eyes off of Jesus. Uh, but we, this is why we've got to keep going back and keep confirming what we know to be truth. We've got to keep... Um, checking ourselves against scripture to make sure that what we are hearing, what we're believing is what God has said. All right, we're going to have to stop there for today because I'm out of time. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity again to study your word and to hear your truth. Jesus is truth. He is the light of the world. And we ask that he would lighten our darkness, where we have sinned, that we would confess it, where we have sinned, that we would bring it into the light and receive that full and free forgiveness, that we would not hide in shame, that we would not seek to cover it up, that we would not seek to minimize it, but that we would recognize it, confess it, and receive that full and free forgiveness. Uh, we ask that you would help us uh, in the attacks we are we receive from Satan, that we would not be deceived, that we would continue in the truth. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Savior. And we thank you for the words that he has given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.